gospel's answer to low self-esteem is not high self-esteem. The answer to low self-esteem is no self-esteem. Stop thinking about yourself. Why is yourself consuming space in your head that should be filled with thoughts of God and thoughts of other people? Welcome to Resonate with Trent Griffith, Senior Pastor of Harvest Bible Chapel in Granger, Indiana. I'm Aaron Paulus. Well, if you're like me, you may be tempted to think too highly of other people's opinions. You know, we can so easily get caught up in seeking another person's approval or even wanting to just feel good about ourselves. Today, as we open God's Word, we'll pick up in a message titled, When People Are Too Big, from a series called Approval Addict. In it, Pastor Trent will give us some evidences that we can look for to know if we've finally broken our approval addiction. Here's Pastor Trent. Understand, you, people will use flattery to feed your approval addiction and get you to lower the guard so they can get what they want out of you. If you can't detect that and destroy it, you're still an approval addict. Here's the second thing. You'll know you've broken your approval addict addiction when you can appreciate and welcome the refining power of criticism. You see, flattery and criticism are opposite sides of the same coin. People give you feedback, right? So what do you do with the feedback? Well, if the feedback is flattery, you detect and destroy it. If the feedback is criticism, you appreciate and you welcome it. So how did you respond the last time someone gave you some criticism? They loved you enough to tell you the truth. That was not your finest moment. Your tone was not good. You did this right, but you left this undone. Can you appreciate and welcome that? You say, no, I detect and destroy that. See, you got it backwards. You appreciate and you welcome it. Look at this verse, Proverbs chapter 27, verse 5. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but profuse are the kisses of an enemy. So do you have the kind of relationships where people love you enough that if necessary, they have to punch you in the nose to get you to understand you're wrong, and I'm going to help you get right. You say, well, I'm not concerned with, I don't care what anybody thinks of me. It's a very small thing. What? No, you missed it. <laughs> People that love you and are trying to get you to please God are God's tools to help you. And sometimes it hurts. Sometimes it feels like a wound. It feels like they stabbed me in the heart. That's better than stabbing them stabbing you in the back. They're, they're trying to produce in you godly behavior. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. And so you don't bow up and get angry and push back and defend and justify, excuse and blame and rationalize. When people give you criticism, you say, what's God trying to teach me through this? But if you're so addicted to approval, you can't handle it when you know somebody has a problem with you. Have you broken your approval addiction? You've got to make what other people think a very small thing to you. So, we have a little theme song in our little recovery unit here. 
It goes like this. It's a small thing after all. It's a small thing after all. Sing it with me. It's a great hymn of the faith. It's a small thing after all. It's a small, small thing. So the next time somebody doesn't notice you, the next time someone is critical of you, the next time somebody flatters you, the next time somebody leaves you off the team or doesn't remember to thank you for your great accomplishments, it's a small thing after all. It's not a great big thing. It's a small thing. Why? Because I don't want to be an approval addict. Here's the second point. I will minimize my focus on what I think of myself. I will minimize my focus on what I think of myself. Look at the end of verse 3. Paul is saying, I do not even judge myself. Now, do you know the difference between examining yourself and judging yourself? So later on in this same book, in chapter 11, before we're to receive the elements of the Lord's Supper, the Apostle Paul says, examine yourself. In chapter 13, he says, examine yourself to see whether you're even in the faith. And so there is a a sense in which I, I should examine myself, but some of us cross the line and begin to judge ourselves. And there's two dangers that happen when we begin to judge ourselves. First of all, we could be too quick to condemn ourselves. Look here in uh, verse 5. I mean, verse 4. For I am not aware of anything against myself, but I am not thereby acquitted. You know what he's saying? It's like, as best I know, I have a clear conscience before God and before man. As best I know, I have a short... um, Uh, list of of sins that I have confessed to the Lord. As the Lord shows me those things, I repent, I confess, and I get right with God. And to this point, Paul was saying, you know what? To the best of my knowledge, I'm up to date. But he says, that doesn't mean that I'm necessarily sinless and faultless. There could be a huge blind spot in my life, and I'm waiting on the Lord to reveal that to me. And so he says, it doesn't mean I'm acquitted, And then he says, it is the Lord who judges me. He says, I don't even judge myself. I'm not the judge of me. I've given that right to the only just judge, our eternal God. Some of us are too quick to condemn ourselves. By that I mean, some of us, our biggest problem is not pleasing people. Some of us, our biggest problem is we can never please ourselves. You've set the bar so high in your life, and you have established a performance-based relationship with God that you are always feeling a false sense of guilt. You are always beating yourself up. You are always condemning and punishing yourself. And you have stopped short of receiving the grace and the mercy and the love and the forgiveness and the positional righteousness that you have as a child of God because of what Christ did in his performance on the cross and through his life. And if you are so quick to condemn yourself, you have not accurately understood the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you are on a morbid search for whatever the next area of sin is in your life, 
and you can never sense the freedom and the joy of knowing him and with the assurance of, of a place in heaven because of what Christ is in earth. You're too quick to condemn yourself. And that's your greatest problem. And so you need to accept and understand afresh and anew the grace that is offered to you through the positional righteousness of Christ. Now, this is tricky because you, you do need to examine yourself. Let me tell you the proper way to get this right. It's to constantly be praying the prayer of Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. In that prayer, the psalmist prays this, Search me, O God, not oh God, I'm going on a search. It's search me, oh God. I'm giving you complete access to my life. I want you to try me. I want you to know me. I want you to look in every dark crevice of my heart and I want you to shine the spotlight on it. And God, as you show me things, God, I commit to repent and confess and change so that I can be right with you. But God, I'm going to trust in your ability to search my heart. If I try to search my heart, I will skip around things, I will miss things, and I'll go looking for something that's, that God's not even concerned with because you don't want to deal with the big area in your life. So don't be too, too, too quick to condemn yourself. Some of you have been told, or maybe you've even said, well, I, I just have a low self-esteem, I'm just... I'm just have poor self-worth, and, and somebody may have even told you that. And the world's answer to low self-esteem is to do what? Tell you you're special, right? You're not special. You're an ordinary, dirty, rotten sinner, just like everybody else, right? So the gospel's answer to low self-esteem is not high self-esteem. That's a problem too, some of you think too low of yourself. Some of you think too high of yourself. You know what the gospel's answer to those of you that are too quick to condemn yourself is? The answer to low esteem is not high self-esteem. The answer to low self-esteem is no self-esteem. Stop thinking about yourself. Why is yourself consuming space in your head that should be filled with thoughts of God and thoughts of other people? Your problem is not self-esteem. Your problem is selfishness, that you're consumed with yourself. So some of you are too quick to condemn yourself, but the flip side is true too. Some of you are too quick to, con to acquit yourself. He says, I don't acquit myself. You see, there's another group of people who's like, no. Low self-esteem is not my problem because, I mean, I'm awesome, right? Yeah, you're way too quick to acquit yourself. When was the last time you went before God and gave him access to every corner and crevice of your heart and he showed you something specific that needed to stop or something that needed to start and you said, Lord, I am, I am guilty here. And I confess and I repent. And God, I need you to change me. And so don't be too quick to acquit yourself either. So how can you know if you've broken your approval addiction? Here's the third way. I can glory in my weaknesses. And I can glorify God in my strengths. So we all have different weaknesses and strengths. What's your worst thing? Don't tell anybody, but what's your worst thing? It's like you try to do it. It's just everybody you know does it better than you do. Um, you've read books. You've trained. You've worked out, 
you still can't get the bar above your head. And in a thousand different ways, right? Whether it's school or whether it's in the job or in the workplace, or maybe it's even in your walk with Christ. You, you walk a few steps, you fall, you get... And, and the, what is the area that you're weak? And then what is the area that you're strong? It's like, for whatever reason, you have an ability, a skill, a gift, that when you do that, it just, it just happens. It's not hard for you. It just, it just works. That's a strength. So what do you do with your weaknesses and strengths? We glory in our weaknesses. What does that mean? It means that I'm not ashamed of those areas. I'm not even ashamed to admit them. I don't hide them. They're just right out there for everybody to see. Look at what the Apostle Paul said. Did you know the Apostle Paul had a weakness? He had a physical weakness. Apparently, there were some things that he wanted to do physically that he couldn't do. He was constrained. And he said he'd ask God to change that. God said, I'm not changing that. So this was his conclusion. God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. In every one of those areas that's your worst thing, that's the area where you have the most potential to reflect the glory of God. That's the area where you can't rely upon your resources. You have to cry out to God and watch God do something you can't do. And then he goes on and says this, Therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And so an approval addict can't ever admit his weakness. He's always hiding, covering up, masking, pretending. But when you're set free from your approval addiction, you don't care what other people think about your weaknesses. You just want Christ to be made known through your weakness. So you can glory in your weakness and glorify God in your strength. Here's the fourth thing. You know you're set free from your approval addiction when I use people less and I love people more. So if a person says, I'm a drug addict, what do you know they're using? Drugs. It's not a hard question in church this morning. You want another shot at that? Okay. If a person says, I'm a drug addict, what do drug addicts use? They use drugs. If a person says I'm an approval addict, what do approval addicts use? They use people to get what they want to feed their approval addiction. So they use people. And if you use people, you can't love people. It is diametrically opposed. You can't use and love people at the same time. Jesus said it this way in Luke chapter 6. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? He said, you're just using people. If you, even the sinners love those who love them. So it's like, it's like a barter trade thing going on. You love me, I'll love you. I, can't, I better stop loving you because you might stop loving me. And your motive is purely selfish. You hook them up. Right there, it's like, feed me, feed me, feed my approval addiction. And until you break that cycle, you're not free to love people who can't give you anything. He goes on and says this, if you, you want to show your love, then love your enemy. Do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great, and you will be the sons of the Most High, for He is kind to ungrateful to the ungrateful and evil. So what, what is he saying? In order to love people, you've got to go find some evil, ungrateful people to love. If you're just interested in using people, 
you will avoid ungrateful, evil people like the plague because they can't do anything for you. So do you put yourself in the path of disadvantaged people? It's one of the reasons why everybody in our church should be plugged into our compassion ministry because we go down to the hard places and we, 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 we rub shoulders with people who can't give us anything just to love people. Approval addicts are not real interested in compassion ministry because you just want to use people to feed your addiction. So here's the third point. I will maximize the value of what God thinks of me. Hey, did you know that the mind of God is filled with thoughts about you? Oh, not me. I mean, he's probably thinking of the president and, you know, some other really important people. Oh, yeah. Psalm 139 says, God's thoughts toward me are more than the sand on the beach. So that's another reason why you need to come to the picnic this afternoon. Find out how much God thinks about you. You need to count some sand. Like, man, I can't, sure, God couldn't be thinking of everybody at the same time. See, that's the problem. You think God's mind is like your mind, all right? Say it with me. My mind is a very small thing, right? <laughs> My mind is a very small, the mind of God created your little finite mind, right? And so God's thoughts toward you outnumber the sand on the sea. He's thinking about you. He has opinions about you. He's aware of you. He knows what you're going through. He knows the way you think. He knows you're an approval addict. And he wants to be pleased with what you involve yourself in. So look at it here in verse 5. He says, therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time, before the Lord comes. So here's the thing. If you're going to be free from approval addiction, you have to constantly be thinking, one day, I'm going to stand before God. He will bring me into judgment. And on that day, I want the approval of God. Does anybody not want the approval of God like the, the first second after you take your last breath? I mean, people that don't even believe in God, like if there is one, I want his approval, right? So that's why they're reaching for like rabbit's foots and crescents and everything else. I mean, whatever it is, I want to know that after I'm dead, I'm good with him, right? So everybody wants to know you get the approval of God. And so how do you get it? You get it by understanding his will for your life, surrendering to him, and understanding that through Jesus Christ, we have complete approval from God. We'll talk more about that next week. So I need to maximize the thought of what God is thinking of me. Now, listen, let me give you some reasons why you need to maximize what God thinks of you and minimize what people think of you, because only God judges at the right time. Have you ever watched a football game and like one team was like crushing the other team? And it's like, you know, I think we can leave. I, th I, th I don't think we're going to miss a whole lot of action. And you packed up your blankets and your, your stadium chairs and you went and got in the car and then you heard a big roar in the stadium. And you're like, what's going on in there? And you get in the car and you're driving home, you turn the radio on and your team scored a touchdown. And you're like, whoa. And then your team scored another touchdown. Whoa, we left too soon, right? Our team made a comeback. Well, here's the reality. 
most of the people that we are living our lives to get their approval from, they are leaving too soon. They're passing judgment too soon. If you're a parent, you have to be on guard against this because your approval, your, your approval of disapproval of your kids is coming in like the first five minutes of the game. You only see the, the 10-year-old or the 12-year-old or the 14-year-old version of them. God is not finished with them. And we need to understand that when people disapprove of us or critical of us or put us down and don't treat us right or they pass over us, they, did, they didn't wait long enough because God's not finished with what he's doing in my life. There's unfinished business. Only God judges at the right time. When he comes, he will set it all straight. Another reason to maximize what God thinks is only God knows all of the facts. People think they know, they don't know half of what happened in your life to bring you to that point. Uh, there are people in here that, that the stories in this room of the way that we grew up and the influences that we had and the environment that was poor, it, it, all of that shapes us and affects us. And so that doesn't excuse our sin, but it could explain our sin. And if people had all the facts, if we had all the facts, we would look at each other very different. Only God has all the facts. Look at it, what it says. It says, he will bring to light the things now hidden. There are things hidden in this room, things that nobody else knows about. Some good things, some bad things. God knows. One day those are, those are coming to light, and God will use the hidden things either to approve or disapprove of our lives. Only God knows all the facts. Only God knows all the motives. Not only the things that we did, but why we did those things and why we didn't do those things. Notice it says, He will disclose the purposes of our hearts in verse 5. So not just the things, but the reason behind the things that we did. Only God knows all the motives. And then finally, only God's approval matters anyway. Who cares what the crowd of people think? Who cares what your employer thinks? Who cares what your in-laws thinks? If you have the approval of God, it makes no difference who disapproves of your life. And if God disapproves of your life, it makes no difference who approves of your life. If you're living for the approval of God, so how can you know if you've broken your addiction to approval? Number five, I will allow the approval or disapproval of others to be based on my identity in Christ. So here's the simple thing. What, what, what label would you need to receive to feel approved? Some of you, it's smart. Some of you, it's productive. Some of you, it's funny. Some of you, it's cute. Some of you, it's rich. You're, you're living your life to get somebody to slap that label on you. There's two labels that you should seek, and they're right here in the text. Look back up at verse 1. It says, this is how one should regard us. Here's the label that Paul was living for. Servant of Christ, steward of the mysteries of God. You want to put a label on me? That's the one I'm living for. 
So somebody may look at you and say, well, he's not real smart, but man, he's a servant of Christ. Would you be okay with that? That'd be all right? Man, he's weird. He's a nerd. He's so awkward. But man, he is a wonderful steward of the gospel. Nobody can deny he loves the Lord and the Lord loves him. Would that be okay with you? Is that enough? Is it enough for you to be known as a servant of Christ and a steward of the mysteries of God? If, if that's not enough for you, you're still addicted to approval. And here's the last thing. I know I've been set free of my approval addiction when I regularly, consistently, continually ask God if my life pleases Him. Great verse here in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 10. Try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. We spend way too much time trying to discern what is pleasing to everybody else. But how much time, how much thought? For me, I got to do that every day. I'm such a recovering approval addict. I got to go for God, what would please you today? What do you want me to do with my time? Who do you want me to see? What do you want me to involve myself in? What do you want me to say no to? For me, that's a big one. It's like I got no shortage of things to. A lot of times, I'm like, I'm going to have to say no to that, and somebody's not going to like it. But Lord, would it please you for me to say no to that in order for me to do what you want me to do? You willing to do that? So have you broken your addiction recovery, your approval addiction? I trust you have. Can I ask you to bow your heads for a minute? Don't check out on me. I want you to just go before the Lord. Let's apply that last verse. Try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Can I ask you? What is it that the Lord is requiring of you to gain his approval? What is it that the Lord wants you to stop doing that would please him? Are you willing to lose a relationship? Are you willing to be disapproved by others in order to gain the approval of God? How do you handle flattery? You addicted to that? Can you detect it and destroy it? How do you handle criticism? Is it okay with you if people come and love you enough to tell you the truth? Or do you blow up and defend, justify your behavior? Are you using people? Or are you loving people? Who comes to mind when I make that statement? Has God spoken to your heart today through this message from Trent Griffith? If so, what steps of obedience do you need to take? I hope you'll be encouraged to take hold of this instruction from God's Word to try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. This is our only hope in the fight against approval addiction. And speaking of what's pleasing to the Lord, next week we'll dig deeper into that with a message called How to Get God's Stamp of Approval. I know I'll be excited to hear more of what God's Word says on that. I hope you'll join us then. Well, if you're looking for a church home, I want to invite you to visit us at Harvest Granger. 
Join us Saturdays at 5 p.m. and Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. We're located on Hickory Road, just north of Cleveland Road in Granger, Indiana. Well, thanks for joining us today, and I hope God's Word will resonate in your heart and mind this week. Resonate is a radio ministry of Harvest Bible Chapel, Granger, harvestgranger.org.